I want to talk to you today about the, the title of the message is uh, How to Speak Up as a Man of God. But ladies, uh, you're going to get something out of this too. You know, there's really no better place to be today on Father's Day than in the Father's house. And not only does it please the, the Heavenly Father, but I think that um, the Holy Spirit has something very special for each one of us to hear today. I think it will change our lives if we will apply this uh, to just every detail in our life. You know, how, how to speak as a man of God, how do we do that? Well, sometimes it starts just by cleaning up our language, you know, and uh, as God cleans us up, there's some words that, you know, we kind of uh, have to start leaving out. How I many you know what I'm talking about? Amen. I'm not talking about speaking in tongues, but... Uh, <sighs> You know, I heard a guy at one time, he had a prison ministry, and uh, he was raised a Baptist, but he got filled with the Holy Spirit, and so when he started talking about it, everybody was telling him, oh, that's the, that's the devil, that's, that's, the, that's the language of the devil, that's the language of the devil. He said, you know, before I was saved, he said, I lived a pretty wild life. He said, I hung out in some places that I know the devil was. He said, in pool halls and everything else, he says, and not once did I ever hear the devil talk like that. <laughs> I thought, that's a pretty good answer. But uh, anyway, you know, uh, how, do we, how do we speak as a man of God? Um, I think we can learn some things today. God's looking for a few good men uh, who will be able to handle darkness and uh, confusion, chaos and disorder, handle misery and sorrow. That sounds like a hee-haw song, doesn't it? Um, this darkness and, and confusion that Satan tries to bring upon it, it brings um, its, its wickedness uh, in it, and it's, uh, it, it's his way, and it's, it's confusion. I guess when you just put it all together, it's a way of saying it, the definition. But in fact, you know, um, I want to read seven scriptures, and I want you just to listen to these. I'll give you a scripture reference for them, but I want you to see uh, there's a contrast, there, uh, three of them deal with one thing, and then the last four have uh, a, another aspect. There's a contrast there, but they deal with the same thing. And so I want to see at the end, of, after I've read these, if you can pull it out. The first one is from Numbers 23, verse 21. It says, um, no misfortune is seen in Jacob, no misery observed in Israel. The Lord their God is with them. The shout of the king is among them. And Judges 7:18 says, uh, "When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp blow yours and shout for the Lord and for Gideon." In Joshua 6:20 says, "When the trumpet sounded, the people shouted. At the sound of the trumpet, when the people gave a loud shout, the walls collapsed." So every man charged straight in, and they took the city. And those three, did you notice anything that kind of had, that they all shared? Shouting. Something happened when they shouted. In Esther 4.14, listen to this, it says, For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish and who knows but that you have come to a royal position for such a time as this. 
Psalm 32, 3. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Isaiah 53, 7. He was oppressed and afflicted. Open his mouth. He was led, led like a lamb to the slaughter, and uh, as a sheep before the shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In Acts 18, 9, one night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. Did you notice anything in common with the last four? Silence. So when there was a shout, there was victory. When there was silence, something bad was happening or getting ready to happen. And so we find here that uh, there's something about the way that we speak that can make a difference. And to see, uh, to, to look at this, we really need to go back to the origin of man, of mankind. That's Genesis chapter 1, 1. And so, um, you know, we're going to get from Genesis to Revelation somehow. I think I just started with Revelation a while ago. It's like the one guy said, he said, uh, I've got uh, four 15-minute sermons, and he says, and I'll try to get them all in here before we're done. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and look at the origin of man, and let's see how we can figure out how we're supposed to speak. Um, you know, back to those incredible and uh, indescribable events that occur there in chapter 1, the origin of man. And in verse 1 of Genesis 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. It was chaos. It was uh, total and deep darkness is the way that this is described. But God spoke into that darkness, into that chaos, in order to create life. Verse 3 says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God advanced into the primordial, uh, I guess that primordial sphere of mysterious darkness that's laying out there with this creative power that was within him and he brought beauty and life out of the chaos and the confusion. Verse 2, it says, darkness was over the surface of the deep. Darkness, if you just sum it all up, is simply confusion. If we drop, turned out all the lights, it gets real dark in this facility when the lights go out. There would be some confusion. You know, you might know where the doors are, but as you're trying to get out, you'd be maybe bumping into somebody or whatever, a little bit confused, catch you off guard. Um, in fact, the Hebrew word for darkness is, uh, is koshek, which it's, figuratively, it's, it means misery, destruction, death. Ignorance, sorrow, wickedness. That's what it's talking about figuratively with the darkness. And we can, uh, we can draw an application from the creation story into our life today and know that Satan still brings darkness. He still tries to bring misery into your life, uh, destruction. Jesus said that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Uh, so it means death. It's, it's symbolic of death and um, Ignorance in the sense of just not knowing what to do or 
you know, the Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. And this word, the same word that's used for darkness there in the beginning is used in Isaiah 60 and verse 1 where it says, Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. That's what I'm believing for Light Christian Center. I believe that we're living in a time when this darkness, this chaos, this confusion in all areas and aspect of life is upon the peoples and they're looking for light. The Bible speaks of several different kinds of, of darkness, and most of them are figuratively, more figuratively than, than literally like it was at the creation. For instance, uh, like it says, Christians have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. We've been called out of the kingdom of darkness. We've been called out of confusion. We've been called out of uh, that, uh, that realm, called into light, into to God's kingdom but the darkness that uh, is seen in the beginning was different it was very literal it's tangible talking about that that's the way that it was and um, uh, the disorder and the, the random chaos called darkness or confusion and we know that the Bible says that God is not the author of confusion uh, the story opens with God confronting this original sphere of mysterious confusion, and it says darkness was over the surface of the deep. The deep, that word is abyss, unformed, void of life waters. There's water there, that, but there was no fish or anything in it. It's kind of bad. I'm looking out here. This side is kind of more heavy on the fishermen. Um, bad times there but it was void of life it was a, the abyss is what it says it was unformed even um, there was no design there was no order no beauty no life just darkness verse 2 then says and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters and that word hovering it uh, is translated more brooding like a hen broods over the the eggs to bring about life and the spirit of god was there hovering brooding over the waters to bring about creation in fact all three persons of the godhead were involved in creation here we see the holy spirit his part but suddenly god speaks haya when i first read that and saw that hebrew word i thought of uh the pink panther and Kato, you know, when they, <laughs> <laughs> you know, jump out there. That's got to be hilarious, you know. Uh, have you ever heard, I mean, have you seen that in movies or something like that? You know, <laughs> that's the Hebrew word that God spoke uh, into the darkness. And uh, I thought that was pretty cool. And it, what it simply means is be or become. To exist is the, the meaning of it. But it's like God spoke into that darkness and he said, 
be light. And it was. I lost my uh, money clip this morning. I'd had it there on the bed, and there was a lot of different things going on, and there was a little bit of confusion. There was confusion there, and, I, and in fact, Sandy was texting me, and she said she was praying for me, and I was trying to text her back and get this and that and whatever, and I was having a little bit of trouble with my laptop trying to uh, transfer it from Dropbox onto this iPad, and so, you know, I mean, it's just a typical Sunday morning confusion. And so I was telling her on that, trying to type that, text that in and get some other things going on. And I said, you know, pray, can't find my money clip. And so I could see the little dots there on it. And I knew she was praying. And I thought, well, wait a minute. Well, I just need to speak into this confusion and it'll be. And I said, so money clip, money clip, be here, be found. And so I got a flashlight and looked down underneath the bed and there it was, it had bounced and rolled underneath the bed. And so got it out and by that time when her prayer came up she was texting and praying you know and I said I found it and she goes whoa that was fast and I said yeah I'm speaking like a man of God <laughs> be right here where I can find you and so then the next thing was the keys to the suburban were missing and <laughs> I'd loaned them to the Christian and he brought them back and and uh, gave them to me. He said he gave them to me, and so I wasn't where I usually keep them, and so I put them someplace else, but still there was a little bit of confusion going on. But confusion, anybody have any confusion in their life at different times or whatever? And we can learn to speak, and it happened. That's cool. You know, so it says, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. He said, uh, you know, haya. It's H A Y A H. Haya. You know, as they would say, from here, speak it out. Haya. So, if you hear that go out, then you say, oops, speaking into some some confusion. With power greater than the darkness. Think about that. Greater is He that's in us than He that's in the world. We say that. But with power greater than this darkness that's out there, God advances forward into mystery and he gives life through his word. He doesn't retreat. He advances. He goes into this chaos, this mysterious darkness with a spoken word. Hi-yah! I gotta say, I like it. God spoke to the darkness, to the chaos, to the disorder. God spoke to the misery, the destruction, to the death. God spoke to the sorrow, the ignorance, the wickedness. God spoke to the confusion. Spoke to it. Then he began to create. And maybe that's why we fail to have more creative moments in our life because we're not dealing with the confusion, the darkness first. He began the six-day process of creation, you know, grass, trees, sun, moon, plants, fish, and fowl and animals. Sound like a menu at Papado's or something like that. And finally on the sixth day, he created man, but man was different. God created man in his own image. 
the first thing that God told Adam to do was what? Name the animals. In other words, speak the name of each animal, and that's what it'll be. Giraffe! Be giraffe. How do you know to... What does he just come up with something, I guess, you know? But that was the first thing that he was told to do, was to speak the names, to name the animals, to begin to exercise and use this creative power that's there in him, that was created in him. Adam, having been made in the image and likeness of God, had the power to, here's another Hebrew word, amar, where it says, and God said, that's a phrase, but it's summed up in one word, amar, and um, he's, he speaks that. It says, and God said, and that word amar means to say, it means to answer or to be able to give an answer, to a point, to, uh, to call, uh, uh, you know, to, call, uh, to command, to certify, to challenge, to charge, uh, to give a command. A lot of different things there, that word says, and God said, you know. He, he spoke with this power. This power of God to speak was in Adam. So the first thing that God had Adam begin to do is exercise this power in naming the animals. And like God, man was called to speak into darkness, to not run from it, but to advance into the confusion and speak what was to, what was to be. You know, they talk about on a fire, firemen say, you know, when, when a building's on fire, people run out of the fire, but firemen run into the fire. And, you know, that's what the hero does. You know, for us, we have to advance. We have to go into the confusion to command that confusion to cease and then become what it should be, to create. Why don't we do that? Why don't we exercise the characteristics of God? We're made in his image and his likeness. Romans chapter 4, 17 says... This about God says, the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were, as though they were already. So that's the way God is, and so we are created in his image and likeness, and so we too should uh, give life to death and call things that are not as though they were. Go into the confusion face it head on, not throw our hands up and get mad at somebody, want to blame somebody or this or that or whine and, and uh, no, be aggressive and speak to it and command it. So here's a thought for you. Could it be that God intended men to behave like him by courageously moving into whatever sphere of mystery that they encounter and speaking life-giving power into whatever confusion that they may face. Not to run from it, gripe about it, or say, well, I would have if it hadn't been for this, and make an excuse for it. How about just face it, take control of it, command it, and uh, whatever the confusion is, 
bring order to the chaos, bring life to the, the dead. So, after God creates man in his own image and likeness, and he puts this power in him, then he says, okay, now I'm putting man in charge. You're going to be in charge. In chapter 1, verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image. And, of course, that's a, the first scripture that really begins to prove and begin to uh, introduce the, the Trinity, the Godhead, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm not here to talk about that. But he says, Let us make man in our image in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. In other words, he's going to command it all, rule it all, have authority over all things. Now let's paraphrase chapter 2. We, we did chapter 1. Let's paraphrase chapter 2. Basically, God gives Adam paradise. Uh, and he, he granted him to eat of anything except just one of one tree. And he gave him the most beautiful woman in all the world for his wife. Of course, she was the only one in the world. But <laughs> so she was the most beautiful. You know. And now then that brings us to chapter 3, verse 1. And here it comes. Now the serpent was more cunning, or craftiness, more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree that was desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with, with her, and he ate. Where was Adam when the serpent and Eve was having this conversation? Really? I mean, think about it, okay? The most powerful man in all the world, <laughs> the only man in all the world, but still the most powerful, God just brought him through all this. Here, a more literal translation of that verse would be at the end, she also gave to her husband right there with her. Now, stay with me. <laughs> Some translations say who was with her. Um, but here's the problem, and here's why we're in the mess that we're in even today. When, when Satan became, began this conversation with Eve to lure her into 
his world of this, this disobeying deity, I guess, Adam, made in God's image and likeness, remember, had the power of God to speak. It was in him. It was in, it was in Adam. And he stood there and said nothing. Silence is deadly. He was designed to speak, but he said nothing. A TV program that comes on, it says, what, is it, what would you do? Or something like that, where they create these scenes and stuff, and they have you know, these actors doing like to see if you're going to do something about it or not. Have you seen that? I've seen a couple of clips of it a little bit or something like that. Well, we saw what Adam would do. He didn't do anything. He didn't say anything. You know, this power of God to speak. To, I mean, to cause things that aren't as if they were was in him. Like God, he was called to speak into darkness, speak into confusion, speak into wickedness, speak into this situation that was occurring right before him. He was supposed to, remember, advance into the confusion and speak what was to be, not let it be. <laughs> he was supposed to speak what it was, was to be. He should have said to Satan, hey, this conversation is over, and then turned to Eve and spoke to her. But Adam's silence plunged that first family into a world that neither they or we were ever supposed to be in. It's called the fall of man. It's when sin entered the world. And God had spoken, now think about this, God spoke into chaos darkness disorder and it became calm and light and order and beautiful but when Adam stood there silent and didn't say anything what was calm and light and orderly and beautiful became a world of chaos and darkness and disorder again and from that moment until now men have been more silent than spoken. And the condition of our world, the condition of our culture, the condition of our families, the, I think is due largely to the silence of man. Okay, men, you say, wait a minute, this is Father's Day, it's supposed to be celebrating me, beat me up, man, what's up with this? I are one, you know, so... Now, ladies, before you get it, remember, y'all messed it up because y'all were having a conversation there. So We're all in bad shape here. Let's scoot ahead about two millenniums, 2,000 years, to Abraham and Sarah and see if anybody learned anything. Um, Abraham and Sarah had been promised a child and part of this word you know to say means it means promise as well and so God promised Abraham and Sarah a child that was part of the covenant but when it didn't happen when they thought it should happen or I've been beating up on the guys it didn't happen when Sarah thought it ought to happen then Sarah told Sarah told her husband take Hagar and have a son with her. 
Okay. Where's Abraham in this conversation? Standing right there. You think he knew that was wrong? Well, duh. <laughs> so he's going, hmm, really? And what did he do? He didn't say a word when God Hagar and they created a little Ishmael. And that little Ishmael is the entire Arab race. It's ISIS and all of the problems that we're having today against Israel and against the United States and everything. And silence of man has once again caused more chaos than what was there. Hmm. So, I'll say it again. Men, silence is deadly. Ladies, so far on the story, silence might be a good thing for, for you. <laughs> I'm just reading it, you know. I'm just, that's the way it's looking. That's the way it's coming up here. But, but men need to speak up some. It started with Adam, and he was passive and uninvolved. Passive and uninvolved. Does that sound like men? Well, hey, women, I gave you, that was a perfect opportunity right there for you. To, yeah. Adam was passive and uninvolved. His sin began with his silence. Do you get that? His sin began with his silence. And most of us, if not all of us, are just like him Adam's silence was lethal. We're seeing Abraham's silence is lethal. What happened was with, with Adam's sin, it broke our relationship with God. It broke Adam's relationship with God. And see, death is separation, and so man was separated. It was deadly. In fact, and Paul talks about, and I think it's in Corinthians, he says, by Adam, we all die. And so, you know, I remember being witness to it, and I thought, well, wait a minute, it's not my fault, it was him. You know, why do I have to pay for what he did? But, of course, then it goes on to say, but it says, by one man, Adam, we all die. But by one man, Jesus, we can all live. So God balanced it all out, amen. You know, we are silent in our relationships just like Adam was silent and it broke the relationship, severed the relationship, his relationship with God. Today, men, we are silent in our relationships with our wives, with our children, with our friends, with our God. We disappear into our work or our hobbies or sports or the cares of this life, or disappear into the lazy boy recliner with a remote in our hands or something. And we disappear into the things that matter less than the relationships. Would you say amen? Silence is lethal. It's deadly. And it's time for men to speak. We were designed to speak. We were designed to create. We were designed to 
cast vision to others. Speaking is, a, is the gateway to relationships. Listen to this. Speaking is the gateway to relationships. Silence is the gatekeeper. Speaking can bring life out of death. We've seen that. It can bring light into darkness. It can bring order into chaos. But silence can destroy. That's what we're learning from this today. Look at the problem with teen culture today, the problem with our society that we're living in, the problem with relationships. Could it be that too many men are silent and passive? It's time for men to be the men that God designed us to be. That's what God was telling me. It's time to stop relying on the women to be the spiritual ones. It's time to stop depending on the women to do all the praying for our families and for our church and for our community and for our country. We were created in God's image and in his likeness. And it's time for men, it's time for us to act like it. You know, maybe you've been wounded. Maybe you've got issues. Maybe you've got secrets that nobody knows about. It's time to... Hiya! <laughs> to speak up. It's time to speak up. Our culture has created weak men. They say, get in touch with your feminine side. Tell them, I ain't got no, spirit, my, no feminine side. The problem is, is that we're either at one extreme or the other. They're, you know, either so soft and feminine, feminine and weak or so hard and silent. But God wants us to get back to his image and his likeness. What kind of God is he? Who is he? What's his character? We see from his word that he's a king who rules with righteousness. He's a warrior, a defender of the weak. He's a lover, giving himself to others so that that other person can be fulfilled and affirmed. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Loyalty is within him. That's the kind of God that he is, and that's the kind of character and nature that men that we need to portray as well. Jesus was a man's man, and he was not afraid to speak. When he looked right at the scribes and Pharisees and he said, you are just whitewashed sepulchers, you know, empty tombs, you're dead on the inside, you just look good on the outside, you vipers, he said. He wasn't afraid to speak up. When he needed to speak, he spoke. He was not weak. He was not a wimp. He was a winner, not a wiener. <laughs> he was a victor, not a victim. Hello. And um, this power of God to speak to Hayah was in him, and it's in us today. I mean, think about it. We really need to consider this and then act upon it. Like God, we are called to 
speak into darkness and to advance into the confusion and speak what is to be. Again, just like it said in Romans 4, 17, God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as if they were. Now, I'm going to start closing this down, start wrapping this down. So my conclusion would be on this is what I summed up, that what I got out of God speaking into me was God intended men to behave like him by courageously advancing into whatever sphere of darkness we encounter and speaking life-giving power into whatever confusion we face. Hiya! That'll get somebody straightened out and scare somebody. Women, if you hear something in the middle of the night, a uh, hiya. <laughs> Maybe they're just confused. I don't know. But it's time to speak. It's time to hiya. Let there be or become. And God said, or Amar, just like Adam having been made in the image and likeness of God, we have the power to amar, and to say. We have the power to say, which means boldly answer. We have the power to boldly answer what is right or what needs to be said. We have the power to appoint, to call, to certify. We have the power to challenge all of these things are in the definition of amar. This one little word, A-M-A-R, means all these things. To say, to boldly answer, to appoint, call, certify, to challenge, which simply is to dispute the validity based upon the word of God. I challenge that, Satan. No, I'm not, no, I'm not, I'm not just accepting that. When we stand up and speak up and challenge what's coming, so wait a minute, based upon truth that's part of this power that we have power to charge what does that mean credit card no um we have the power to satan i charge you of your offense that you have made these are the charges that i'm bringing against you before the the throne of god we have the power to to give a command. I mean, we've got to think about these things because this is the way we're supposed to speak. This is how we speak up. We have the power to give a command. We also, this word amar also means to commune, which means share your intimate thoughts or feelings with. We have that power to come before God and to share our intimate thoughts and feelings with him. Instead of saying, nobody knows the trouble I've seen and get silent and find our own little corner in our own little house and sit in our little spot there. No, we have the power to commune and, and say, God, this is how I feel. Even when we're feeling right on the edge there of where we might make this decision, that's when we need to come back and say, wait a minute, there is a power within me to tell God how I feel 
even when you're not, you know you're not feeling right. Abraham needed to have a talk with himself and have a talk with God before he ran off to, with Hagar to her tent. This word also means declare. We have the power to declare. That means to announce officially. We've been given power and authority so we can announce officially, in my name you will drive out demons. In my name. We have the power to announce officially is what the definition is there. To declare. We have the power to demand to that confusion, that darkness, that chaos. I demand you to come into order. And it can be as simple as a money clip. I know an angel knocked that thing off and knocked it underneath the bed just to teach me a lesson. You can't convince me any different because it was right there in plain sight and then it was just gone. And I went back and traced every step. And then it was just like, ding. God says, so. Are you confused? <laughs> Do I look confused? <laughs> I've been back over everything. Then why don't you just demand that it appear, that it reveal itself? So I said, money clip. Now this is stupid. This sounds stupid. It sounds crazy. But so does, hey <laughs> That sounds a little crazy too. So I said, money clip, I demand you to reveal yourself. And I thought, you know what, I ought to get a flashlight and look under the bed. Now, just like that. Now, so, so I could say, well, yeah, I mean, it had nothing to do with me demanding it reveal itself. Because I had this thought to get a flashlight and look under the bed. But at that same time that I, when I exercised the authority and the power that was within me, I instantly had the thought to get a flashlight and look under the bed. I said, well, that was just... I'm telling you, I'd spent 20 minutes looking, and I had looked down and all this stuff, and there it was, back under. And we have one of those beds that it's, it's like it, I mean, you have to get things to get out. From, I hate, mm, don't tell them what all, you talk about darkness and confusion and the abyss. <laughs> I was there, people, face to face with it today, I'm telling you. <laughs> But as simple, and, and what came to me at that instant was, God said, see, even in something that is so simple, just like this, exercise the power. And maybe more so in these little things so that when the big things arise that you've already begun, like start naming some animals and get, start practicing here so when you have to start doing something else. Get this ability to speak. Demand. It's the power, the word means desire, which is request or entreat something. To determine, power to determine. To be, in other words, we have the power to be the uh, decisive factor in this thing. To know that we know that we know. It's like the judge. Bang, okay, I made the ruling. We have that power. But you know what, guys? Most of the time it's like, well, I don't know, I don't care. Whatever. Next time she asks you, where do you want to go eat? Tell her. <laughs> well, it really doesn't matter. Well, then do something for the sake of making a decision. <laughs> like they said, if you took 
every economist and put them head to toe and and you know start and encompass the earth they still couldn't come to a conclusion <laughs> i think that's about the way it is with our economy we have the power to be decisive so come on guys be decisive we need to start exercising that determine we have the power to name name appoint or nominate hey in relationships that can be important father's day now a grandfather i look back and you know what maybe that appointing and nominating i might have ta- should have taken it a little bit more serious i appoint you you know you can wear out a lot of paddles and a lot of other and some timeouts and some other things like that but you know what god's power overrides all of those things exercising that it has it's that word also means to promise which means assure that something will happen wow it means publish you think oh publish yeah that means to announce formally i formally announce that this will happen that order will come into the chaos now you've got to fill in i'm having to speak vaguely here because of but in your chaos in your darkness in your areas that need this order brought together that's this is where you have to apply this and to announce formally i think it's important that we understand who we are and who god is and that we've been appointed and commissioned to do this and so we go and do it it's the power to speak against or of the power to still something be still like jesus in the boat why was he so aggravated he was taking a nap and the storm came up and they said jesus jesus don't you care that we perish and he says ah he gets up and he speaks to the chaos he speaks to the darkness he speaks to the storm be still Hi-ya! <laughs> that's what he did he just hollered it out and then he turned to them and he said you have little faith because he was thinking you haven't changed a bit you don't know how to speak up it's still happening since adam and you haven't got it yet that's why he was upset he was saying, I'm trying to teach you how to speak up. Speak to it. You have the power to still the chaos and the storms and the darkness and the disorder. You have that power to do it. With power greater than the darkness, we need to advance into our darkness, into our confusion, and give life through his word. 